Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Uh, but hey, look, I just want to start tonight, and I know we say this every year, and I think as I get older, I hear it more and more often, but like, can we just agree that this year has gone really fast? This is really, this is really in test year, uh, happy Advent. I didn't even know what that was until uh, today, actually. Does anyone under 30 know what Advent is? Just give us a wave. The English, there's about three people. Well, actually, Advent is a Christian tradition. And it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas where we're celebrating, yes, the birth of Jesus, but also the coming back of Jesus. So this is actually a, a big thing in the motherland. Uh, Josiah, who's from England, uh, they celebrate Advent. So, and you're supposed to say Happy Advent, so Happy Advent. But the, the end of the year is, is just happened. It's just like it's popped out. It's like someone's pressed the skip button already. People are putting their most played Spotify songs uh, on the Instagram because we just really wanted to know what you listened to this year. And, uh, you know, the, the, the year is, is wrapping up uh, to an end. And uh, come on, can we also be honest that uh, it's been a bit of a different year? Come on, you know, at the beginning of the year, you've set your, your goals, your, your New Year's res- resolutions, and it's like in an instant, all of that was evaporated. Come on. I know for myself and my wife, we were actually supposed to move to Melbourne in May of this year. And we had sold one car, sold a whole bunch of our furniture. Uh, I sold all my tools and all the men went, <gasps> you know, so like I'd just been living this rest of the half of the year in sort of like a limbo of like, you know, what's, you know, what's sort of going on? Got no tools, got no couch, got no furniture, no fridge. Just kidding, I got a fridge. Uh, one car, two kids, so I've been catching Ubers, and which has been great, you know, but it's been a, it's been a bit of a, a, a different year, and, and you know, uh, maybe you haven't accomplished much, but, you know, in this, in this change and in this uncertainty, come on, it can be tiring. It can be a bit draining, and then all of a sudden comes around Christmas, another big time of the year, and no matter how many Christmas carols or Cyber Mondays, you know, Christmas is another busy season. You're just like, oh my goodness, can this year get any busier or any crazier? Does I have any friends? I know all of you love Christmas carols. I won't get a raise of hand. Uh, <laughs> okay, anyways, we'll keep going. Uh, but you know, the end, of the, the end of the year is coming around, Christmas is coming around, and it can, it can sort of be draining. Uh, you know, it can be tiring, you know, it's a bit of, and maybe you say, if I asked you, if I asked you about 2020, you wouldn't say it was an unhappy year or a sad year, you would just say, hey, it was different. It was a, a bit of a, a different year. Can we agree that this year was a different year? And in this difference, you know, we may not have accomplished much, okay? We may not have accomplished much, but we can feel way down and feel, wow, this is a massive year. Okay, this is a, this is a massive year, and I can feel way down, and it's so massive with doing, I don't know what we've been doing, but you can, you can find it hard to find some margin in your life. Okay, find it hard to find some margin to dream, to dream about the future. Maybe for some of you to have some margin to believe that, believe that things could be different. Maybe for some of you to have some margin to believe that God could actually work in your life. Or maybe if you're watching this for the first time at home or you're new here tonight, maybe you've been so busy with life that you haven't allowed margin to consider that God could actually be real. 
or that, hey, margin to allow and fact-check that what your friend told you or what you saw on YouTube actually is not true, that God could be real. And I'm glad that you're here tonight allowing some margin into your life. I don't know about you, but in the business, I can close up all the gaps, gaps, close up all the margins, and the first thing that usually goes is the margin to allow God to speak into my life. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is I want to talk to you about in the massiveness of life and in the massiveness of this season, being allowed or allowing margin for God to speak into your life. Now, a bit of a, a precursor before I release you the title of this message. Okay, this is a title of actually a youth night back when I was a youth pastor many moons ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. We had a night, would have been similar to this time now. We had a night called Christ Massive. Some of you remember, well, was that awesome? Uh, we filled this whole auditorium about waist height full of fake snow. It was fantastic. Uh, we had a night called Christ Massive. The air conditioners hated it. The cleaners hated it. But we had an awesome uh, night called Christ Massive. Okay, Christ Massive. Christmas, it's going to come up on the screen or it's going to come up somewhere if not. You know, it was this play on Christmas being Christ Massive. And I want to tell you why I want to talk about this because this thought that God gave me is that, hey, you know, this season is massive. This year has been massive and Christmas is massive, but also our Christ, our God is massive. And before I start, just a disclaimer, okay, this is not a message about removing the busyness of life, okay? This is not a message about being comfortable. In fact, do you know what a comfortable life is? A comfortable life is a life without risk, okay? If you want a bored life, have a life without risk. In fact, if you want a, a life without joy, pray for a comfortable life. Your goal in life should not be a comfortable life. This is not a message about a comfortable life. And okay, there is times where you need to rest, okay? And everybody likes some comfort, okay? So people like comfort food. Come on, that's what they call it, comfort food. Um, you know, it, it's okay to rest. It's okay to have seasons where we slow down a bit. That's not what I'm talking about, but I've, I've learned that I have to become uh, okay or, or okay that Christ or Jesus or God wants to accomplish much in my life, in your life. He wants to accomplish much in my life. He wants to accomplish much in your life, and in fact, I've had to trust God in every season or be close and rest in God in every season of this much. Otherwise, without Christ, it soon becomes chaos. This much quickly becomes too much. Much becomes too much. And I want to share with you uh, a story tonight. It's a popular story. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you would have heard it. But you would have heard it more so around the time of giving. And this is not a message on giving. But as I was researching this, as I was uh, uh, thinking about what I was going to speak tonight, trying to hear from the Lord, uh, you know, I went to the next best thing. I asked my wife. I said, this is what I've been studying. And she said, Funny enough, I journaled the same thing this morning. I said, thank you, Jesus. Uh, so every great, powerful revelation that you hear tonight was my wife's, okay? I'm just get the opportunity to have the microphone. Uh, but it's a story uh, that's the only story that's in every four gospel, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a story that's entitled, Jesus Feeds the 5,000. Come on, and to all those parents preparing or thinking about or getting stressed about preparing that Christmas lunch or dinner for everybody, this is really, really going to bless you. Okay, it's about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the story I want to tell about this is in the book of Mark. Now, I love Mark, and this is a bit of, a, bit of a side note. I, I believe if I was back in the time of Jesus, me and Mark would have got along very well. 
In fact, I tell most new Christians, particularly men, if you're going to start anywhere in the Bible, start in the book of Mark. Why is that? I hear you ask. Because Mark is also the shortest gospel. Mark gets straight to the point. He speaks in simple language. In fact, theologians say he lacks literary polishness. Something like that. That's why I read Mark. I don't even know English myself. Lacks literary polish. That's the one. And uh, he lacked every story that you read in the Bible gets straight to the point, except one. It's when the Bible talks about food. The feeding of the 5,000, in fact, in the four Gospels, Mark is the most detailed when it comes to about feeding the 5,000. This is why I love Mark. He's a man after my own heart. And it's in Mark 6, verse 30 to 44. And I'm going to get to it, but just before I get to it, I just need to give you a little bit of background on this story because this, is, this story is situated, uh, this massive miracle is situated in a massive season in Jesus' ministry. In fact, we read uh, just before this miracle happens, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in Jesus' life. In fact, Jesus has just been to his hometown of, of Nazareth, and it says that he's been rejected in his hometown. Come on, that's pretty stressful. The place he grew up, people have rejected you. It also says he's had a death in the family of John the Baptist, his cousin. This has just happened just before we hear about this story I'm about to tell you. Also, what's just happened is Jesus is expanding his ministry. It says he's just sent out his 12, okay? He's just sent out his 12 disciples to preach and teach, to cast out demons, all this sort of stuff. You know, so there's, there's business expansion happening. There's a death in the family happening. There's rejection happening. And all of a sudden, we hit this story. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And this is one of the most physically massive stories or miracles or retellings in the Bible. And it starts off with this, Matthew 6, verse 30. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus, like I said, to report to him all that they had taught, done and taught. Then Jesus, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. There you go. Mark's making sure that he puts the important things that ticked him up first. We didn't even have a chance to eat. Come on. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. The first thing I want to encourage you when it comes to Christ Massive is allowing margin to get away and to rest. Come on, think about this. This is Jesus. Jesus had three years of ministry here on earth from 30 to 33. He had three years of ministry on this earth to change the earth. I'd be like, come on, Jesus, you don't have much time. Come on, you can rest when you're dead, as the saying goes. But he decided in the busyness of things, me and my boys, we need to have some downtime. I want to tell you, it's okay to rest. It's okay to make some, some margin to rest. It's okay to say, hey, I need some time or, hey, I want some time. Because as we read on, it doesn't actually account to that. Because the story goes on, it says this. It says, but many who saw them, I love this saw them leaving, recognized them, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Can you just picture this? They're on a boat. So you're heading to Roto, and all of a sudden, I don't think you can walk to Roto, but all of a sudden there's like people, oh, we know where they're going, and they get there ahead of Jesus. And it says, when Jesus landed, I just love Jesus, and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So get this, it says, so he began teaching them many things. 
What I want to tell you, in the massiveness of life, it's okay to have margin. But what I want to encourage you to, hey, you've got to be aware that it's all right to be interruptible by God. I'm not saying cancel. Okay, we're not canceling rest, but sometimes we've got to reschedule. I don't know about you, but, you know, i got two kids under the age of three. My whole life at the moment is rescheduled. I reschedule where I sleep. I even had to reschedule where I write this sermon. You know, I reschedule where I pray. Sometimes I reschedule even where I sleep. Never when I'm driving. But my life is about reschedule. It's okay to reschedule. You know, you've got to be okay when God wants to speak and interrupt your plan because he's about to do something big in your life. Friend, maybe you're here tonight and you're here for the first time and you don't know God. I want to encourage you at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start this journey. I want to encourage you, be okay with God interrupting your life where it is right now. Maybe you're here and you're like, I got my life together. It's all good. I'm just coming because she invited me. I want to encourage you, be okay that God wants to interrupt your life. Not cancel, but reschedule. But I don't know if you noticed this in, in this, this verse that I just read, and this is, this is great because it says Jesus had compassion on them. But it didn't say anything about the disciples. Hey, boys, I'm sorry. That trip to Marg's, it's going to have to wait Bunker Bay. Boys, we're going to have to put it on hold. I know I promised you a weekend away on my nice fancy boat, but boys, we've got work to do. It's overtime. Mark was clear to say Jesus had compassion. He didn't say we didn't, but you can sort of picture they weren't pumped about this situation. And how do I know? Because the verse goes on and it says this. It says, by this time, it was late in the day. This is Mark writing, don't forget. So his disciples, which he's one of them, came to him. Jesus, this is a remote place, like Alchemos. <laughs> And Jesus, by the way, just in case you didn't notice, because you created time and all, it's getting pretty late. And you know what we should do, Jesus, because while I'm on a roll telling God of the universe what to do, we should send these people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Come on, this sounds like a, like a good thing to do. They were trying to send them away. They were trying to remove themselves from this moment. They were trying to turn the situation in another direction. The question I ask myself, and the question I want to ask you, is when times get tough or you're faced with a, a growth moment, what is it that you turn to? Or what is it that you turn away from? Or even bigger, who is it that you turn into? <laughs> I don't know about you, but maybe some of you here, when times get tough, I know this is me sometimes, I want to isolate myself. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be around anybody. Just get me in front of my PS4 and I'm good. But I can't do that now because I've got kids. Maybe what you turn to, you know, maybe it's drugs and alcohol, but maybe it's not as, not, not, drugs and alcohol is not your thing. Maybe, come on, friends, maybe you turn to Mr. Barry, Cadbury. You like that one? Dad drinks are strong. 
I've got some friends, that's nervous laughter right there. Some of you still haven't got it, it's all good. Or maybe, come on, let's get serious. Maybe, maybe you devalue yourself on social media so you can get the unhealthy approval from others because you're not getting it from God. Or maybe you're a procrastinator. Do I have any friends? Don't raise your hands. And maybe we just, we just can't help it, but, you know, we get stuck in the prison of this thing. Maybe that's why they call it a cell phone. What is it that you, what is it that you turn to? Oh, come on, let's get real. What about when times get tough, what is it, or who is it that you turn into? Maybe you're one of those control freaks, those micromanagers. You turn into a Karen. <laughs> Everything has to be done your way. There's a way things should be done. There's a system. And lucky enough, that system's the same as my system. And when you're a Karen, you're solely in control. Sorry if your name's Karen. You're so in control. You're so in control that you're willing to step on other people to get what you want. Who is it that you turn into? But I love Jesus in this, this story because, you know, Jesus is standing there. Jesus hasn't left them. And Jesus sees through what they're trying to do by, you know, misguiding Jesus into another direction. Give Jesus suggestions like, Jesus, this is what you should do, you know. I want to speak to the manager. But get this, he says, but he answered them. And he answers me. And he answers you. He says, you give them something to eat. He says, I don't want you to pull yourself out of this situation I want you to, with me, solve this situation because I'm about to teach you something. He was about to teach these boys something and he's about to teach us something as he's taught me. And I love their response. Philip, the other translations tells us, says, that would take more than a half a year's wages, eight months to be exact. Are we going to spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? Come on, this was, a, this was a financial dilemma as well. There's, a, there's finances, there's all sorts happening in this ma massive situation. But I love God's response. He says, well, how many loaves do you have, he asked. And then he says, I want you to do something. I want you to stop right now and I want you to go and investigate. I want you to go and see. So they went away and it came, they came back and they said, when they found out, they said, we have five, which is five loaves and two fish. Do you know what I realized? Jesus, the first question he asked us is, well, what do you have? What skills do you have? What connections do you have? What friendships do you have in your connect group? If you're in a connect group, if you're not, you should be, if you're part of this church. Who's in your youth connect group? Who's around you at date night on <laughs> young adults? For those in Perth, those at home don't know what I'm talking about. They think of date night. Who's around you? Maybe what are some of the past experiences that you've conquered in life with Jesus that you need to pull back into and go, God, you've done it before, you're going to do it again. I want you to, I want you to see. 
See what you have. And they tell Jesus what they have, and the next thing they do is they, they bring it to Jesus. That's the next key. The verse goes on. It says, then Jesus directed them, this is key, to have all the people sit down in groups, of, uh, groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. I'm going to get to this as well. This is important. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. And get this, they were all satisfied. Not they just had enough or they just had a taste, but they were satisfied. In fact, in John it says they ate all that they wanted. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men, this is not including women and children, who had eaten was 5,000. Once you realize what you have, the next thing they needed to do was they needed to bring what they have to Jesus. They needed to bring what they have to Jesus. I want to encourage you, when you realize what you have, sometimes when you look at it, you're like, that's not enough. I can't see how I'm going to get through this situation. I can't see how I'm going to get my business to get through this season. I can't see how I'm going to see my family get to the other side. I can't see how I'm going to get my teenager to get back his life and track or her life back on track with God. I can't see this is all that I have. Friend, bring it to Jesus. Because Jesus, you know, he, he could have just created the bread. You know, come on, we've seen him do it in, in Exodus. He, he had manna bread from heaven, and he had quails fall in the morning, no, bread fall in the morning, quails fall in the night. He could just produce food, but he didn't. He didn't want to just produce something. He wanted to partner with the disciples and first realize what's here, and I want to show you a miracle. And when it comes to us, when we bring our stuff to Jesus, when we bring what we have to Jesus, the next thing we need to realize is that Jesus is not just going to wave his wand and then wave his hand over and everything multiplies and woohoo. Jesus first gives them a strategy. You might have missed it. The disciples said there's 5,000 people here, there's too much. We don't have enough money, there's too much. And the next thing, when they bring it to Jesus, Jesus says this. He says, I want you to do a bit of a strategy. Come on, we can get so focused on the 5,000, which is the massive, but then we miss the manageable strategy that God wants to give us. He says, I want you to take these 5,000 people, and I want you to sit them down in groups. I want you to sit them down in groups of 50 and 100. What was Jesus doing here? I know you're asking, you're like looking intently, where is he going? I'm not exactly sure, but I'm allowing margin for the Holy Spirit to speak. Just kidding. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. He broke down the big problem into a problem that was manageable. 5,000 divided by 100, that's 50 people, 12 disciples. They had about eight groups each that they had to look after. Already Jesus is going, okay, I see your problem. I want you to have a look at the problem in a different way. Maybe if you did this, before I do the miracle, I want you to put some structure in place. Come on, Holy Spirit, speaking to me now. I want you to put some structure in place. Come on, that's about to accommodate what I'm going to do in your life. Because if you don't get structure... God can change every situation in your life, but if you haven't changed the structure, if all you can see is the problem, if all you can see is the situation that can't be solved, but you haven't put systems in place to handle the miracle God is about to do, you'll find yourself back in a place 
where he started. Structure. Manageable. And then it says, Jesus breaks it. I don't want to skip over this bit. I'll come back to it because there's something I want to speak to you about. But he breaks the bread, feeds the 5,000. Everyone's full, all that they wanted. Gives it to disciples so it's not just Jesus feeding the 5,000. He gives to his disciples to distribute it. And then it says that there's 12 baskets left over. Where am I going? 12 baskets. 12 disciples. 12 baskets, 12 disciples that weren't really pumped to be in this situation in the first place. 12 baskets, 12 disciples. I don't know why my voice always breaks at this point in the message. 12 baskets, 12 disciples. They started with five loaves, two fish, 5,000 people, not including men and women, and they finished with 12 baskets. I picture the disciples, each as they finished, and they've got a basket each. What seemed to them in the beginning as an insurmountable, massive problem have now encountered a Christ that is more massive than their problem. And I picture them looking at the basket standing before them. I want to encourage you, friend, that when you learn to distribute what God has given you, you're always going to end up with more than what you started with. When you're generous, come on, you, with your, when you're generous with what God, come on, he gave it to his disciples to distribute. Come on, everything we got, the Bible says, is from the Lord. When you're generous with what God has given you to distribute, you always end up with more in your hand. Come on, they started with the bites but they ended up with a whole basket. The worship team's going to join me. I'm going to wrap this up. Started with a little bit. Trusted in God. I don't know about you, friend, but this is my story. As I've trusted in God with the little that he's given me. Came to God with what's around me. Entrusted it in God's hand. Friend, I've always walked away with more. I came into this church as a 21-year-old Dreadlocks, there's nothing wrong with dreadlocks, but I was a broken dude. Thought I had it all together. And I came to God saying, this is all that I have. To other people, it may look like much, but to me, I know it's, there's something missing. But I entrusted God with that. And friend, I tell you right now, as I had a bite, I'm now looking at a basket. God has blessed me with a beautiful family, two beautiful children, a beautiful church family, great lifelong friends, not just here, but all across the world. And now God is entrusting me with something so important as being a spokesman for his house in Melbourne. As we trust in Jesus, friend, I want to tell you what God has started in you. I know 2020 looks different, but what God has started in you, the Bible says, the Word of God says, what he started into you, in you, he's going to bring to completion. Friend, he hasn't finished with you yet. And friend, as you allow, come on, as you allow some margin, as you allow some margin in your life, as you allow some margin, come on, to dream again, as you allow some margin to trust in God again, as you allow some margin, maybe the first time, to allow God into your life, as you allow some margin, friend, stand by as you partake and partner in the miracle of God. Friends, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to finish in just a moment. The most beautiful part of this story is when they handed Jesus the 
five loaves and two fish. I said, I brushed over it. I'll come back to it and I'm going to do that. It says that Jesus, he took this bread and it said he did something that's very significant and we can't miss it. It says that he looked up from the bread and he says he gazed up to heaven and that he broke it. What's happening? Something's happening here and when I saw it, it just, it rocked my world because when he looked up to heaven, when Jesus lifted his eyes from the situation and looked to heaven and, and God provided, there was enough bread for everyone. What was Jesus saying? It was foreshadowing what was about to come because in John 6 verse 35, Jesus says this. He says, then Jesus declared, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He says this straight after this miracle. He says, I am the bread of life. Where he's looking to heaven. This is bread that he's looking to heaven. Jesus himself was not the bread to heaven. He was the bread from heaven. He was the bread that was broken upon the cross. And he was the bread that was broken upon the cross that wouldn't satisfy just our physical hunger. But this bread, like it says in here, would satisfy our spiritual hunger. It would satisfy us in the very depths of our soul. It would satisfy us. It would satisfy the price of our sin. Not just for a moment, but for eternity. And friend, what I want to do right now, as strange as it may sound, is I want to offer you in a crowd that's not quite 5,000, it's unmanageable, but I want to offer you the opportunity to partake in the bread of Christ. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.